0: Take your Bibles, join me in John chapter 12, please, as we continue our journey through John. Well, hopefully we'll finish chapter 12 today after about three, three or four months in this chapter. And What we're going to try to do is cover a lot of ground today, and we're going to read verses 42 through 50 of John chapter 12. The Bible says, Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Jesus cried and said, He that believeth on me, believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. And he that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. I am come a light into the world, that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not, for I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him the word that I have spoken. The same shall judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me, he gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his commandment is life everlasting. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. Last week, we considered verses 42 and 43, and our need to be bold in our witness for Christ. We need to be speaking openly about Christ and not be ashamed of Him. The Bible says we need to bear His reproach. And if we don't... It's very simple. We love the praise of men more than the praise of God. What we need to do is not be silent and just get all in on what the Lord wants us to do. Those within the synagogue were afraid to confess Christ openly. But immediately here in verse 44, we see the contrast of Christ who openly cries out before the people. He's in the midst of the crowd, and and he's crying out this message. We sometimes look at street preachers, and we think, that guy's nuts. And you got to be a little squirrely to be a street preacher, but that's what God wants us to do. And Jesus here, for lack of better terms, he's street preaching, and he's, he's giving this message to them And Jesus, who is our example in all things, He was not ashamed of His Father. He was not afraid or ashamed of the message that He came to proclaim. He wasn't ashamed to let people know where He stood. You might say, well, He was God in the flesh, so it's different for Him. Really? Because He suffered far more than you and I ever will. He was tortured for us. He was hated more, he was rejected more, and he endured more than you and I will ever have to endure. The first thing that we see Jesus declaring here is his relationship to the Father. And that has to be our message too. How is it that we can go to a lost and dying world and tell them that we know the Father? that we know God. And how has God made that possible? And that's the message we need to be proclaiming out, is that through Christ, we have been given away to the Father. Now, you have to forgive me, my voice is shot from screaming last night. Oh, those teens just wouldn't play hard enough. I won't tell you who I kept booing. Now I got to tell the story. So they're playing knockout. We're just doing a commercial. They're playing knockout, and I think it came down to Breck and Allie. Were you all the last two? Oh, Ben was the last one. She was the third. Last girl. Okay. We're going to be independent Baptists here. She was the last girl. So she was, she was the girl winner. And, uh, and so apparently in this game of knockout, you're allowed to take the basketball and throw it to hit the other person's basketball so that they can't make the shot and knock you out. And so Breck, who thought he was cool and was going to make the sh- shot on the first try, didn't. And so Allie shoots it. I'm telling you, that thing was going in. And Breck, who's a perfect gentleman, takes that ball and he just throws it right at her and her ball goes up to the ceiling and I thought it was going to stick in the ceiling. And then he makes the shot. So, here's a man I thought had a future in our church and yet... He just doesn't care about teens or teen girls or nothing, and, and he just is chucking that ball around. And I thought you were still a teen, but I guess you're 20 now. Yeah. I thought he was playing for the wrong team. I thought he was 19, but um, anyway. Um, good move. It was actually a good shot, what he did. I mean, it was impressive. But it wasn't just that he hit it. It's like he hit it with, like, force. All right, commercial over. But anyway, that's what we kept saying. Boo, Breck. All right, let's get focused. Sorry. So anyway... He declares His relationship to the Father. That's what we need to be doing. We need to let people know that what Christ did for us, that He's our way to the Father, and that we know God because Christ took our place on the cross. That's our message. The issue then, um, as is now, the issue that was going on here in our text, and the issue today was whether or not Jesus was sent from God. But even more important than that was whether or not Jesus was God. You see, they had a problem processing that, as many still do today. And and, and that was the question. And so Jesus lets them know his relationship to the Father. And he had been doing this for three and a half years, and he's been telling them that he was sent from God. And so he says in verse 44, He that believeth on me believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. And then Jesus says in verse 45, He that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. Jesus here is making it clear that he is one with the Father. Therefore, what Jesus is trying to get us to see is that if we reject Christ, we're rejecting God. Jesus is letting them know he was no mere man. That he's equal with the Father and therefore he has his same nature. And because of this fact, he states this, it gives him the right to say what he's about to say. The message he's about to preach here. And Jesus says in verse 36 that he has come a light into the world. That whosoever believeth on him should not abide in darkness. Now, we've seen this several times throughout the Gospel of John. We're going to see it several more times before it's over, so we're not going to dwell here. Although I have to take the opportunity to say, religions which reject Christ as deity are abiding in darkness. Now, I only bring that up because of this. They are masquerading themselves as channels of light. That's what they want you to believe. 2 Corinthians 11 verses 13 through 15 say, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. And I have to bring it up because they are after you. They're after you. I'm not sure if the mailer that went out about Islam went all over the place, but I know many of you got that mailer. Why? They're after you. I wish we had the money to do a mailer, but they're after you. The Jehovah's Witnesses may come knocking on your door one day. Why? Because they're after you. The Mormons may come knocking on your door one day. Why? Why? Because they're after you. They're after you. Many other groups may come knocking on your door because they're after you. But they all reject the Christ of this Bible. And really, it's Satan who's after you. Some might ask, preacher, should you really be talking about false religions in here? Well, the Bible says that I'm to be a watchman upon the wall, sounding the warning in God's place. And I hope that's what you want from your pastor. But by the way, every believer has that post. It is all of our responsibility to get on the wall and to sound the warning when we see trouble coming. And that mailer was trouble. I'm thankful that they were at least honest with who Christ is in their mind. They made it clear that Jesus is not divine according to Islam. So let's get on the wall and sound the warning. Isaiah 62, 6 says, I have set watchmen upon the walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace day nor night. Ye that make mention of the Lord, keep not silence. Are you upon the wall? Or are you keeping silent? Are you going out after the lost? And here's here's what uh, troubles me, is that many times these false religions put us to shame with our meager efforts to outreach We ought to be going out there without fear, trying to get converts just like they are. And we have the truth. How much more bold should we be? Jesus was very bold that he was come a light into the world, and now we're to be lights of the world. But those who are rejecting the Christ of this Bible are remaining in darkness. And according to 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, their minds are being blinded by Satan. Why? Because that verse says, Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Jesus said, if you don't believe on me, you're still in darkness. I can't help but wonder if there's any in here today that are still in darkness. Do you really believe in Christ? Have you really placed your faith and trust in the Lord as your perfect substitutionary sacrifice? And some will say this, well, I think so. Or, well, I hope so. And I want to tell you today, friend, God did not send his only begotten son into the world to be butchered for you and for me to just step out into eternity saying, boy, I hope so. God wants you to know. He wants you to know. He wants you to be 100% certain. And I'm not in this camp that believes I have to try to make you doubt. I'm not trying to do that this morning. I'm just trying to be real with you and tell you, do you know Christ? And here's something that's more important than that. Does God know you? I don't want to step out of this world with a think-so-or-hope-so salvation. If that's you, then you may be thinking, but what are people going to think if I were to come forward in a, in a church service because everybody here thinks I'm saved? I can tell you that's nothing more than Satan trying to keep you blinded. And I'm telling you what, I, I believe this. I don't think one person in here would say anything negative about you. We would rejoice with you if you came to know Christ as your Savior. You're in the right place. Jesus continues his message in verse 47 by saying this, And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. Now, this is one of those verses that you just can't yank out of context and let it stand alone. Because when you read that verse all by itself, it sounds as if we have nothing to worry about if we're rejecting Christ. But we've got to make sure we take everything in context, including context of the Bible itself. And so this verse here, it it seems like there's no harm in rejecting Christ. But this verse is only speaking about Christ's earthly ministry. And it's only talking about your time upon this earth. Christ's first coming was not to be vengeful in judgment. That's going to be His second coming. John 3, verses 17 through 19 say, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Matthew eighteen eleven says, For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. In Matthew 20, 28 it says, Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give His life a ransom for many. Luke chapter 9, verse 56 says, For the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. 1 Timothy 1.15 says this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. 1 John 4.14 And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Christ came the first time to offer us salvation. And you better take advantage of that time. You better take advantage of this time. Now is the day of salvation. Behold, now is the day when there is no eternal judgment being executed right now. But I'll remind you of what I just read. Those who do not believe are condemned already. What does that mean? That means the sentence of wrath abides upon you. It hasn't been executed yet, but it's there. And if you step into eternity without Christ, it will be executed, condemned already, condemnation resting upon you, the wrath of God abiding upon you. And if you step into Christ having rejected, uh, step into eternity having rejected Christ, then you'll have that sentence being executed upon you throughout all eternity in a place called the lake of fire. You must respond while there is time. Say amen. Amen. Hebrews 2, 3 says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord? And I want to tell you this morning that the window of grace is still open to whosoever will. But you're not going to escape if you reject him. Look at verse 48. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last days. Now, to reject Christ, did I put an S on that? In the last day, excuse me. To reject Christ means to set him aside. To disesteem him. To cast him off. To despise him. To disannul. To bring to naught with scorn and contempt. It means you reject who Christ is. And that you have trodden underfoot the blood of the covenant, counting it an unholy thing. The Bible says how much sore punishment suppose you shall those who have done that go through. Listen, you cannot play around with this issue. Matthew Henry wrote, Nothing is more dreadful than abused patience and grace trampled on. But here's the phrase that really caught my attention. Though for a while mercy rejoiceth against judgment, yet there will be judgment without mercy. Judgment day is coming. And while Christ didn't come the first time to bring judgment, the day of His judgment is going to arrive. And Jesus said this, that His word would be the basis for judgment. That's what it says. No matter how little you regard the Word today, it's not going to change the fact that by this Word you'll be judged. The Word of God reveals your crimes against Him. Every word you've read from this book, every sermon you've heard from this book, will judge and testify against you to the point that none will have to stand and accuse you. All that will matter will be your submission or rejection of God's way of salvation, God's gospel. Second Thessalonians chapter one verses seven through ten say, "And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel." Of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power, when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe. In Luke chapter 16, we read the account of the rich man who died and went to hell, and at his gate there was a beggar named Lazarus, and he had no regard for him. The rich man dies and goes to hell. Lazarus, the Bible says, died and went to Abraham's bosom. And the rich man in hell, he, he asks uh, Abraham and he says, Father Abraham, could you send Lazarus to my father's house so that he may testify to my five brothers because I don't want them coming into this place of torment. And I don't know if you remember what Abraham said. But he said this, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. In other words, Abraham told him, You know what? They have the word of God. Of course, he goes on to say, It doesn't matter if one raised from the dead. If they're not going to believe the word, they're not going to believe. That's the word that's going to judge the lost in the last day. Hebrews 9.27 says, And as it is appointed unto men once to die... And after this, the judgment. We are told at the end of verse 48 that this judgment will take place in the last day. In Revelation 20, verses 11 and 12, it says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And though that passage does not expressly, explicitly say that the Word of God is open, I believe when we compare Scripture with Scripture that it is one of those books that says the books were opened. That judgment described in Revelation there is for the lost. Those who have rejected Christ where they will be judged for their sins. But aren't you glad the believer doesn't have to stand in judgment for his sins? Why? Because Christ took our judgment. He took our sins upon himself on the cross. The Bible says, He that knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He took our our judgment. He took the wrath of God. However, you and I, I got to hit the point while we're here, uh, we will stand in judgment. Believers will stand in judgment. We will be judged whether or not our works were for God's glory. They will be tried by fire, and only gold, silver, and precious stones will stand. And will be rewarded accordingly. Look at verses 49 through 50, or and 50. It says, For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me. He gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that His commandment is life everlasting. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. And Jesus makes sure to tell them that the words that he's speaking are words that are from God. Not some earthly man seeking some self-serving agenda, some following, but that Jesus was sent from God. And having been, having been sent from God, he is speaking the words that God gave him. He was God's ambassador He was the perfect representative of God. God told him what to speak and Jesus never deviated from that message. And that's how we need to witness to others. Because now we are God's ambassadors. We don't need to speak our own thoughts. But we need to speak the word of God. And as God told Jesus what to speak, the Bible teaches the Holy Spirit will give us what to speak. When we're walking in the Spirit as we ought. And we just need to keep preaching people's need for Christ as their Savior. Peter and John said, For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Don't deviate from the main thing. People say, but I don't know what to say. Just do what they did. Speak those things which you have seen and heard. What have you seen God do in your life? Tell somebody about it. What have you heard God doing? Tell people about it. What have you heard from God's Word? Tell people about it. Now this thought that Jesus only spoke what God told him is a thought we've already seen several times. As I mentioned earlier with the other thought. And we're going to see it more. I think a large part of this is because the Jews claimed the God of Abraham as their God. And he was showing them that they couldn't have the God of Abraham if they rejected him. Are you following this? He kept saying, I'm from the Father. I'm from God. I'm sent from God. I'm speaking God's message. Because he's trying to get to the heart of the people that keep saying, no, we have God. Even though the message was clear, you think you have Abraham as your father. But God is able of these stones to raise up people that will praise him. And so he's trying to get through to them to tell them, if you're rejecting me, you're ultimately rejecting God. Plus it was a fulfillment of prophecy that God was going to raise up a prophet from among them that would speak what God commanded him. In Deuteronomy chapter 18 and verse 18, it says, I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren like unto thee, and will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. And what's interesting is the very next verse in Deuteronomy chapter 18 there, verse 19 says, And it shall come to pass that whosoever will not hearken unto my words, which he shall speak in my name, I will require it of him. The prophecy in Deuteronomy fits our text perfectly. There would come one who would speak what the Father would command him. And God was going to hold them accountable for what he said. Therefore, it behooves us to know what is it that Jesus Christ was commanded by God to speak that we're going to be held accountable for. What what, what is it? It's called here... God's commandment, we see that twice. The commandment is this, it's to believe the gospel, the message of God's salvation through the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Christ. And Jesus says that God's commandment here is life everlasting. First John 3.23 says, and this is his commandment. That we should believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. That's the commandment. That's what you're going to be held accountable for. What did you do with Christ? How is this commandment life everlasting? That's what it says. Because His commandment is to place your faith in Christ's sacrifice. That in of itself requires you to believe who the Bible says Christ is. And it requires you to understand that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. That you cannot save yourself, but that you have to have faith in Christ. And placing your faith in Christ is the only means of salvation. Therefore, the command is we must believe in Christ, and that's the only way that you and I can obtain eternal life. What is life eternal? Many people immediately would say, well, it's living forever. Well, the best I can figure is even though it's called the second death, the people that are cast into the lake of fire, they still have emotions. As far as I can tell, they're, they're still alive, though they're always dying. It's where the worm dieth not. So what does it mean to have life everlasting? It's, it's not simply just to live forever. Well, you need to listen to this great verse that I can't wait to get to. John 17, 3 says, And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. You see, life eternal is knowing God. It's not knowing about God. All of you here today know about God or else you wouldn't be here. It's not knowing about God. It's knowing God. It's a personal relationship with God. This is why we always preach here that Christianity is not religion, but it's a relationship. It's walking with God. It's talking with God. Do you know God today? Does God know you? If you can't say that you have a relationship with God, then you don't have eternal life. You're still living in your rejection of Him. And for now, you're not going to to experience God's eternal judgment, but the day is coming when you will stand before God and give an account. And if you don't know Him and He doesn't know you, the wrath of God will fall. It breaks my heart how many that I speak to that come to me for some, some form of counsel and, and I, I, I always start at root one. Are you saved? I want to know if you know God before we go any further because it's not going to matter if you don't know Christ. And I am surprised at the amount of independent Baptists sitting in the pews out there who will say, I hope so. Do you know God? Does God know you? Does God know you? If you were to ask yourself right now, does God know me? In all honesty, what would your answer be? I've learned to make sure over the years to not just ask, do you know God? But I have to ask the question, does God know you? Because what I've discovered is there are a lot of people who will say, yes, I know God. But when you ask the question, does God know you? Well, I think so. And that's not why Christ came. He came that you would know Him. And that He would know you. And when you have that peace and you have that assurance, there is nothing that is going to convince me otherwise. That when I bow my head in prayer, I am going to my Abba Father. And that He knows me. He knows my name. Does God know you? Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. By the way, that's to believe on God's commandment of the gospel. Many will say to me that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Do you know God? Does God know you? Because that's what he's going to say on that day. Amen. He's not going to say, well, you never knew me. He's going to say, I never knew you. That, that verse, that, that set of verses I just read out of Matthew 7, that's the group from church That's the church folks who come in here week after week and they say things like this. Have I not prophesied in thy name? Have we not cast out devils? And and, and Lord, have I not worked for you? That's the church crowd. But God never knew them. And I just want you to know God today. I want you to leave out of here with assurance that God knows you. That's nothing I can do for you, that's between you and God. Would you just ask yourself that simple question Does God know me? And be honest about it. Because if you can't answer yes, I want you to get that settled today. Amen. Nobody's going to make fun of you. Nobody's going to embarrass you. The angels in heaven will rejoice. You can get that taken care of today. You need to come to Him today while the window of grace is still open. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for the word of God. It's the standard by which we'll be judged. And God, I pray that you'd help us. Lord, may we just examine ourselves this morning to see whether we be in the faith. Lord, if there's any here that can't say that they are sure that you know them. Would this please be the day of their salvation? With heads bowed, eyes closed, or anybody here said, that's me, preacher? Would you raise your hand? Anybody like that say, I don't know if God knows me, but I want to know. Is there anybody like that? Just slip up a hand. You can put it right back down. All right. Thank you for your honesty. Let's stand together, heads bowed, eyes closed. As the instruments begin to play, if God spoke to you in any other way, you move You respond to the Holy Spirit in your life.